This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you for listening to the FCS Podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe? Welcome back to the FCS Football Podcast, brought to you by, presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeo, joined by Sean Anderson, giving you the most entertaining, most in-depth, analytical show regarding FCS football in the world. Sean, how are we doing? The Believe Podcast Network is calling all uh, big thinkers. Oh, wait, no. That's the University of Rhode Island. Oh, no. In an advertisement that we're not no. a part of. You know you know what they Take call the, the URI? They call big slackliners. That's what they bring here. Take the high road, man. <laughs> Take the high... Look at this sticker in my bag and tell me if I should keep taking the high road. You didn't Calling stick it all, on anything. I, I'm not going to. Uh, Sean's upset that we continually are not represented... More often by the University of Rhode Island for... Criminally undervalued. And it's not the... I feel like the athletic department does a good job and sports information does a good job of recognizing us. And actually, I've had people say like, oh, you did great in your uh, in that the preseason show thing that we did. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that that many pe- people tuned in. But the academic side of the University of Rhode Island, no, we don't get any, any run, apparently. I've never seen this girl working... In, it's an actor. I've never seen her working in the uh, the audio suites. I haven't seen. They're using the broadcast studio before anyone else has gotten in it. It's an act. It's an actor. You dipstick. Are we not actors? <laughs> <laughs> no. I bet we would both be horrible actors. We're not Mike Francesa. Okay. This <laughs> excited for that movie. I am I'm very excited. Yes. Okay, Joe. Tell me right now. This will be entertaining for the listeners at home. Tell me right now if you think both of us can do this. I think so. So Sean motioned to <laughs> uh, clicking a button. That was what... I, I don't know. Who also, is that we're, guy? Also, we're not attractive enough to be featured in something like that. Maybe you're not. <laughs> uh, oh, you want to go? Oh. <laughs> I mean, maybe they would promote some more diversity by showing you your large ass. <laughs> we have uh, large humanoids at our campus. <laughs> Look at him move the mouse. Are you oversized and worried about the right school to go to? Look at Sean Anderson. Plenty of wide sidewalks up here. (laughs) Maybe maybe you should start a club for large people at URI. I'd like there to be an extra large shuttle service. uh, It only has to be four seats. Doesn't have to, it's, it's a town car. Yeah, because it would be you and whatever, whatever, whatever. Other offensive linemen <laughs> when it needed to get to their next class at the time. 
Because, I mean, the basketball players can fit. They can fit no problem. No, no, the basketball players, they don't need to take the shuttle because they just get golf carted up. That's true. We don't have a golf cart. Although, imagine how much of a mess that would be trying to golf cart is <laughs> 60 to 70 guys. It'd be like some of the, you know, the, the pictures of people in India going on the trains. Oh my. <laughs> and all of them are standing on top. I can imagine, like, Kavion and Andre standing on the top. Just... <laughs> But well, more than that, there'd be people on the there'd be people on the hood. There'd be people on their scooters <laughs> riding onto oh, the yeah. back of Ke- it. Ke- Keith Wells and Javier are being pulled behind <laughs> up the hill by their scooters. Oh man, that was <laughs> that was a wonderful tangent. FCS Week Four, though, folks, we're getting right into it. We're not gonna take any more time to mess around. FCS Week Four had plenty of action. A lot of crazy things that we need to cover. And Sean and I are walking up to the water cooler and we're ready to discuss the news headlines. First one we need to talk about, Sean, is 20th ranked Delaware, who noticeably did not move or make any changes in the poll because of the fact that they almost lost to UPenn 28-27. to And at one point in the game, they were actually losing. So they ended up sneaking that one out and just barely getting that victory. A win's better than a loss, especially when you're tallying up the standings at the end of the year. How much are we going to remember them barely beating UPenn? Probably not much. Probably not much because it's going to be in the win column. Uh, I think this is going to be of less value than if they were to have a loss to an FBS team. So that's that's what I'm seeing from it. I'm not reading too much into it. Uh, I don't know if it's just UPenn coming and, and playing a really good game of football, which I'm assuming they just did. They just played really good football against Delaware. All right, you want to take our next uh, water cooler discussion point, Sean? It's so... You had it. You had it, Central Connecticut State. You had it. Why? Okay. So, just to recap, Central Connecticut State almost upset Eastern Michigan. But all they had to do was punt the ball away and then stop arguably one play. One Hail Mary or one uh, lateral play or maybe maybe two. Get, maybe two Hail Marys. But on the punt, you get it blocked and returned for a tutty. Eastern Washington wins. Everyone forgets about it. Not us. It's two weeks in a row. We, we saw two teams, Furman being last week, almost beat an FBS opponent if it weren't for a special teams play changing the game. And the crazy thing, when I watched that play, I, I was thinking that maybe it would be a mishandle of a snap, a low snap, a slow operation. Everything was clean. That guy just came completely untouched. Never the long snapper's fault, huh? I know. It was a great snap. It was a great snap. And I'll, I'll admit it. I'll, I'll call him out. I actually thought I was going to have to call out someone for a bad snap. One of your own. Yeah, one of my own. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to call out someone for uh, for a bad snap. But no, it was clean operations. Just screaming down the, the right side of the punt block formation. No one touched him. Completely untouched. And I may, being har- I may be being harsh right now. And... The players at Central Connecticut State and the coaches are feeling angrier and worse than I am. But I wanted to hear the air horn this week. I wanted to hear it. Because Central Connecticut State, admittedly, is not one of the FCS powerhouses. But if they had beaten Eastern Michigan, it's I, I'm going for a double air horn for them. Yeah, they're That's very, big time. Yes, they're a very good NEC team, and right. it would have been a big deal if they got this victory. It's a shame that they weren't able to pull out with this. And this point, this last one, we're going to end up talking about this a little bit later because we have a fan question regarding it. Also comes into play for the uh, stats, FCS, and coaches polls when we discuss them. What do you? What's your point? We also have a rejected segment. Ah, uh, based yes. Based around this, uh, that kind of, 
related to this. But Idaho beat a ranked Eastern Washington team who is continually falling and sliding down the polls. One in three on the year. Idaho might have just opened some eyes. But the only thing I will say is that this Eastern Washington team might not be as good as we thought it was. So it's going to take a little bit of time for Idaho to continue to build some momentum. Two and two is not a bad start with for at uh, week four in the season. It's yes, yeah. I, uh, it was yes. a, it was a good win by Idaho, <laughs> and it's only four weeks in. But I know some people are starting to feel like Eastern Washington are are the biggest pretenders in the FCS. All right, now on the games that save our jobs, the games that were the most noticeable ones, the ones that had the biggest outcome, that were the most heartbreaking of scores. Anything that had two big opponents that had a very, very big game. And it just so happened this was our two uwu games of the week from uh, last week. <laughs> and it it, it kind of panned out the opposite of, I think, what we expected. The two games ended up flipping. So the two games we're discussing are Villanova-Towson and NC, um, UC Davis and North Dakota State. And it just so happened that Villanova beat Towson in overtime 52-45, to which was the score that we were expecting to see in North Dakota State versus UC Davis. So this game, as high scoring as it was, sounded exactly the way it was played out. Back and forth, nonstop scoring, constant scores. It would be a tie-up score, then someone, one uh, team would take the lead, then the other team would score, and then they would take the lead um, on their next drive. It was just back and forth, two fighters feeling each other out through and through up until that overtime period. And one the one note I got from this is I felt bad for the guy who had to produce this highlight because <laughs> <laughs> it was long. Yeah, it was it, it was pretty long for a for what was probably supposed to be a two minute highlight. Right. <laughs> Normally, it's probably like, boss, uh, we're at three minutes. You what do and, you mean? <laughs> UNH Holy Cross highlights two minutes and thirty two seconds. Oh my God, Villanova Towson, <laughs> eight minutes and forty seconds. <laughs> Wait, was it eight minutes? It was easily. It was eight minutes. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I know. I feel bad for him. <laughs> a lot of scores in this game. So much offensive production. Not a lot of defense was played in it. And this game came down to two field goals. One to take the lead from Ando Hale, and then Villanova kicked one to tie it up, which led it to overtime. Now, Towson literally lost this game because Villanova went down, scored. Daniel Smith scores a touchdown. Towson losing this, loses this game in overtime because Tom Flacco had an, a relatively open receiver across the middle of the field, throws it to him, it's a little bit low, it's a little bit wide, not really a catchable ball, ends up being ruled incomplete on fourth and one. That's the ball game. Game ends on that. So after all of this offensive production, it falls apart and it ends on a lack of offensive production. So I just want to hit the, the, the two obvious stat lines that need to be acknowledged. Justin Covington, 194 yards in one touchdown, and then Tom Flacco threw for... 304 yards and rushed for 110. Uh, I'd like to say you said that it was fighters feeling each other out. I think it was fighters just punching the living daylights <laughs> out of each other. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, feeling each no, other there out. There wasn't any feeling out. It was just constant swinging. Maybe <laughs> in the first drive. But oh my gosh. Yeah, there was no uh, you know, no attempt to use your uh, your gloves to block any punches. It was just swing while they swing. <laughs> Let's see who connects here. Uh, some of my takeaways here. Gutsy play from both quarterbacks, uh, Smith and Flacco, were just absolutely fearless in the game. Taking major shots in the pocket. Taking, taking major shots out of the pocket when they were scrambling. They were 
fighting for first downs running the ball. Necessary first downs. I mean, they put it all on the line all game. Uh, really, really impressive play from both of them. Uh, credit interceptions to freak plays by defense from those that I saw uh, of the interceptions. It was just, I think it was the back-to-back uh, picks. Both of them were either uh, a deflection that uh, that was just somehow snapped, that landed into a defensive player's hands, and one was a ball that, that a defensive player was um, fighting over with the offensive receiver. It, they both caught it. They gave it to the defense. I think that was Villanova's that they just took back away. Uh, stellar play by both offensive lines, given that they both teams are just able to run up and down the field on each other. Uh, that That's just that's who you have to give the credit for uh, if you're going 194 yards for Villanova. And could somebody in the next week or weeks stop Towson's outside zone on the goal line? It's their best play, and it's all they do. And I know Villanova game plan for it, but you have to assume they're going to hand the ball out left behind a tight end and a fullback, and then their running back's just going to trot right in the end zone. It's or, it, it's yeah. all you see. Sometimes you do see them keep it with Tom Flacco, and yeah. he ends up running it. But I think overall you, you touched upon a very good point that we saw some really athletic quarterbacks battling it out. Justin Covington ended up being, being the more offensive producer for Villanova, but still very, very electric games from the, both of those guys, uh, Daniel Smith and Tom Flacco. Now this other game, like we said, North Dakota State-UC Davis – Ended up being in favor of North Dakota State, 27-16. to 16. This game could have been a shootout, but it didn't end up being one because what basically happened this whole game is that these big splash plays would occur, the ball would be moved downfield, these big chunk plays that were like 25 yards or more, and then teams would either get into, either team would either get into field goal range or there would be a turnover in the red zone. So Jake Mayer, the big stat line that needs to be acknowledged is that he threw three interceptions and that's very very important folks um I really don't know how UC Davis didn't score more though like I said they had a lot of chunk plays they moved the ball very very well it just ended up coming down to them having too many turnovers and kicking way too many field goals I would credit it to red zone offense. If you are kicking too many field goals, then those field goals need to get turned into touchdowns. For every one field goal you kick, it should be two to three touchdowns, and that's not the case for UC Davis. You need to improve in the red zone. That is where games are won and lost is the red zone and third down. We have had to learn that the hard way in our years here at URI. We have seen it uh, across all levels of college football. That's where games are decided. So UC Davis needs to look themselves in the mirror and say, we are going to get better in the red zone this week, and we're going to find creative ways to score, or we're going to find proven ways to score within the 5, within the 10, and uh, within the 15. The one thing that really killed UC Davis was that not final pick, it was the second pick by Jake Mayer towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter. They had an opportunity to really put themselves in a good position to win this game. He ends up throwing a pick in an attempt to throw uh, to score a touchdown. He threw the ball right at the goal line and ended up getting picked off. You need to be clear in those situations, and you just said being efficient in the red zone. Kicking field goals is obviously rough, and it's going to impact you, but if you can't score touchdowns and you're throwing picks and just completely taking points off the board, you're not going to win a lot of football games. So this UC Davis team fought hard and they played well. It just came down to some poor decision-making by Jake Mayer that kept them from winning this football game. This UC Davis team is going to make the playoff. They're going to be a very good team, considering how close they fought against North Dakota State. Yeah, it, but could, have, it could have been worse yeah. for three interceptions and low offensive efficiency. It could have been worse. Yeah, I think any other team would have gotten blown out if they threw p- three picks. Right, Sean? Yeah. Um, now, 
on to segment three. <laughs> the most entertaining segment in the FCS football podcast. Did you... Segment three, if you don't know what it's called, just, just, if you don't know what it means, we'll it's it the surprise segment. scores of the week, <laughs> also previously known as the Division One AA Double Down. Um, what was your surprise score of the week, Sean? And I already disagree with this. Yale 23, Holy Cross 10 was why my you, surprise score of the week. Why, why is isn't so it surprising? Because Yale's a really good football team. They're okay. They're the second best team, maybe the best team in the Ivy League. They're not better than Princeton, Princeton or Yale. Or, or, or Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> They're better than Harvard. Spider, Spider-Man meme where he's yeah. looking at himself. <laughs> Yale, Yale. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh-huh. Ah. Good, re- good retort, Joe. I think Holy Cross could have easily beaten Yale. I don't that's, know. That's I, why. I disagree. I, I don't. The best teams in the Ivy League are better than Patriot League teams. Now, my the hell su- do you know? My <laughs> surprise score ended up being... Delaware oh, versus UPenn. Good I thought, one. I thought that one was very, very tight considering good one. how good Delaware is supposed to be and the fact that UPenn hasn't really been a dominant force in the Ivy League. They did win in the Ivy League a couple years ago, years ago, but last year they didn't have a great season. That being said, though, Sean, now we have our, our actual favorite segment. What's that, Sean? I was just wondering if you even looked at other scores. Or if you just took from the water cooler. I did. Look at I hate you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Okay, can we get to fat stats, Joe? Fat stats. We're doing things differently today, thanks to the input from Kwame on Twitter. He gave us... Uh, let's the, just say from Kwame's corner. From Kwame... You're referring him to... Uh, I like our social okay. media interaction just to be solely referred to as Kwame's, Kwame's corner. corner. Um, also, Peter Mooney... You made a good point about me complaining about the poll. <laughs> I'll give it to you. you, you we got, didn't do it this week. Which you was, you yeah. got me, Peter. We didn't do it this week. Um, Freaking egg avatars <laughs> sniping me. <laughs> Want to see your face. <laughs> Fat stats, we're going to do it, be doing a little bit differently thanks to the suggestion from Kwame, which was include some defensive fat stats and some special teams ones. We don't have as many special teams ones, but we are going to be doing it the way we've been doing it. Sean, who is your offensive guy? My offensive player who had the fattest stat on offense was Brown running back E.J. Perry, who rushed for 227 yards and two touchdowns with 12.6 yards per carry. My pick. Okay. I don't know how many carries Perry had. But it doesn't really matter because Bronson Rechsteiner, 10 carries, way. 221 yards. Less than 227. And one touchdown. No, he had less, less yards, but he averaged 22 yards per carry. Sorry, 21 yards per <laughs> that's, carry. Uh, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> no, 22.1 yards per carry. But I think it also needs to be added in there. I, I think I'm combining this into one giant fat stat because his fellow running back, Isaac Foster, had eight carries for 183 oh yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> what are they um, oh, I it was like Western Missouri, oh, yeah. Missouri State. Yeah. I, I got, I can double check that. You're right. Um, no, you're right. It, what, that's who they were. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I think if you put <laughs> that's that's 18 carries for for 400 yards. It's actually, yeah, that's 18 carries for. 404 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, that, that just means you don't have to run the ball that much. <laughs> Let me do some quick math here. 18 divided your, by 404. You're slapping you vamp a little. Uh, vamp a little. So next we have our defensive fat stat. 
And my pick that I chose to go with here was Alcorn State's Solomon Muhammad. 18 tackles, one sack, and two and a half tackles for loss. Have you seen anybody have over uh, 15 tackles? That's a pretty fat defensive stat. I'll give it to you. But I, when I go for defensive fat stats, I like people that are versatile. Also, the Kennesaw State running backs average 22.4 yards per carry. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Idaho's Charles Acano, who registered nine tackles, half of a tackle for loss, one forced fumble, three pass breakups, and three quarterback hits. That's just somebody that's making an impact on every phase of offense. So that is my fat stat. He is fatter than yours. <laughs> and you're fatter than me. Who's oh, your uh, <laughs> Who's your special teams fat stat? There wasn't as much as much to go. I'll, from. I'll let you get yours first, just because if I take <laughs> yours, I, I, I don't know which one you labeled as yours. Okay. I oh yeah, considering I picked for you. Uh, oh, I'm gonna go with Furman kicker Grayson Atkins, six for six on on PAT attempts. I don't believe he kicked any field goals, but he also punted in this game. Two punts, a 69 yard punt. That's nuts. Now, I didn't get to see the punt. I don't know if he had any roll on it. I assume he had a little bit of a roll on that punt. But still, 69 yards for a punt is astronomical. Roll. He was the punter. What else would his roll be? I'm asking. hey <laughs> I need this show to be on camera because I just faked out DeLeon. Bad. Maybe with our new intern <laughs> that's getting hired can help us with that. What's his name? Uh, Mark the Intern. Intern Fat. No, it's Mark the Intern. Oh, Mark the Intern. <laughs> Mark the Intern. I thought his name was Intern. Yeah, stay tuned, folks, on Mark the Intern. Intern He's, Pale. <laughs> uh, he averaged 51 yards on his punts, <laughs> Sean. My special team fat stat of the week, Maine's Ernest Edwards. 198 kickoff return yards and two touchdowns. That's super fat. Yeah, you're doing something wrong if you give up two <laughs> kickoff return touchdowns. Golly. <laughs> or maybe the opposite of that is you're doing something right if you're getting two kickoff return touchdowns. Now, folks, students of the game of FCS, sit down because now we have Friscology, the study of how to get to Frisco, breaking down <laughs> what's, the what's, polls. Suppression. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go for some like like a zany professor, or like a preschool teacher, <laughs> just what? like an overly active preschool. Kids, you're gonna learn about the FCS playoffs. <laughs> if I was a teacher, put down the Legos. <laughs> It's not coloring time. <laughs> All right, so Friscology, we're getting to the stats poll first. Sean, what's your point? Eastern Washington shouldn't be number 21. If they're going to be on the list, have them lower than the Citadel, who beat Georgia Tech. Uh, Furman at 16, still too low. Um, I don't know, Central Arkansas lost to Hawaii. I don't mind that they're at 15. Yeah, you're not really going to move there. They're not really going to move there, but it's egregious. Eastern Washington, 1-3. Yeah, way to take my Eastern Washington point. Sorry. Villanova, I think, needs to be moved up. They were eight in both. Actually, no, they weren't eight in the coaches' poll. We'll get to that in a second. They were eight in the stats poll. I think they need to be higher than that. You beat a top five team, and I know the CAA is constantly just beating up on each other. One team's like, oh, yo, we're the we're this this top five team. We're you know, yeah, we're the yo. big dog right now. I don't know why I threw the yo in there. We're the we're the big dog now. And then out of nowhere they get beat in a close game, and then somebody else is like, No, we're the big dog. Uh, JMU is the only team that really sits on top all the time. What? The CAA is like that picture of the one fish eating a smaller fish, and then behind them is a bigger fish, and behind I, them is a whale, and then it's just I wouldn't a, a say, constant I wouldn't cycle. Say, I wouldn't say there's a different sizing in the okay. fish, though. I think it's it's like equally sized fish just constantly eating each other. 
You know, they're not smart enough to do anything else but Thanks. eat each other. <laughs> Thanks. But I still think Villanova should be higher than eight, and they're going to eventually be in the top five because right now they're one of the most underrated teams in FCS football. Coach's poll, Sean, what's your point? I'd like for both of us to yell simultaneously about this because I, <laughs> no. I feel like there's a perception <laughs> of me as the yeller. I'd like you to yell with me. All right. How is Towson ranked higher than Villanova? Villanova beat Towson. <laughs> that was unproductive. Go. God. Why? Why? Okay. Villanova, 4-0. Towson, 3-1. Villanova beats Towson. Villanova is therefore a better team. Why is Towson ranked higher? Villanova... How many times? How many times a week do we have to come on here and yell about Villanova? Oh, you think I'm disrupting the people in <laughs> <No>. the computer lab? <laughs> <laughs> Towson is about to be three and two after they lose to Florida this upcoming week, and Villanova is going to beat Maine. So when Villanova is five and zero and Towson is three and two, are they still going to have Towson over it, or does Towson need to lose to an FBS opponent for us to see? Oh wait, Villanova beat Towson. Let's put them higher. What do we need? I just want to acknowledge, I think it, it needs to be pointed out, that the coaches' poll, I think, at times tends to be lazy because I think a lot of coaches tend to vote for teams that have recognizable names, so they might not always really know situationally. I think this is a result of that. I, I really am not appreciative of the fact that, that Towson is, is higher than them. I, the whole point of the poll is that if you beat someone, that means you're better than them, so you should move up higher in it. We're going to have to see when the actual playoff poll comes out. What are you, what are you shaking your head at? I, no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, if you beat somebody, a, you're better than it them. It makes no sense. They're, therefore, your ranking is higher. Like, how could you look at it and be like, ah, yes, this makes sense. There has to be somebody that, that can be veto you know, veto it and just kind of move things around. Yeah, you got to priori it. Yeah, like That's not what I was getting at. <laughs> I mean, golfers, if, you, if you're number two and you beat the number one ranked golfer, you don't stay at number two. You go to one. Good point. Learned about that in Don Coyne's class today. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now to cap things off with Kwame's Corner, the social media portion of our FCS talk, and we've got questions for today's show and Thursday's show. I would just like to point out, uh, I want to thank everyone. We've got a, a significant increase in, in interaction from people. We really appreciate you saying things to us. If you ever want to send us a message uh, tweet at us whatever you're thinking. What do you think about the show? What do you think about FCS football? Tweet at, tweet at us, at Joe DeLeon, at Anderson 65 We like to hear from you. It makes us feel really good when, when we get back from practice, we look at our phones and we see a message from someone. Yeah, uh, Adam Sabula, you know, you can tag me too to some of the fun little <laughs> FCS tweets you're tagging Joe to. You know, uh, if you don't, I'm not going to be hurt by it, but you know. Don't tag him. You, you can always tag He doesn't tag deserve me. it. <laughs> But, you know, really appreciate the interaction we got. And from a couple of people, we actually had people tweeting out the link and saying, you know, I'm listening in this week. You should be listening in, too. So the first question we got was from Nick Massaroni. Um, I believe Nick is a current student at Kennesaw State, judging from his bio. His question was, how will Kennesaw's ranking in the stats and coaches poll translate when the bracket is published two months from now? He had a couple other points kind of talking about how they have a bit of a thin schedule for the rest of the year. So... To answer this, Nick, and I'll let Sean take a shot at it right after, I, I think that they're probably going to stay where they are. Um, they're probably going to be a seeded team at the end of the day, and when the bracket is done and it comes out, 
just because Kennesaw State has been a good team. If they don't lose any more games this season, you know, even if they have a light schedule, it's still winning out. I mean, they're sitting at four. Yeah, they're sitting so, at four right now. That, yeah. You're no, not going to no. bump a team down because they're playing a light schedule. Right. Uh, also, Nick, what instrument do you play? It looks like a trumpet, but I, I think it's a trumpet, but it could be. I don't think it's a trombone. He might be a trombone player, though. Uh, let us know what instrument you play. Thank you. Yeah, please tweet at us. I'm actually kind of <laughs> curious. All right, Ryan T. sent us a message, and he asked, Before the season started, some thought with the way the schedules broke down, the Big Sky could possibly be looking at five bids with Eastern Washington's loss to Idaho. How does that change the outlook for the conference? Five may be out of reach now, but I don't see any way the Big Sky doesn't get four teams in the field this year. I mean, if you look at the uh, the Big Sky conference at the moment, I, I think that Idaho... It depends on Idaho finishes yeah, it, out. It depends on how Idaho finishes out is is really the um, the the big key in this situation. But I, I think that they're going to be a, a sneaky team. I think they could be that fourth team real, most likely um, in this situation. But Montana, Montana State are almost always locks. The other teams that are kind of looking on the outside... You could argue Northern Arizona, Portland State, or Sacramento State. Also, okay, so UC Davis, we're going to say, is a lock. Weber State, lock. Weber State, I wouldn't – yeah, I would say a lock because they've had some tough games early on. They're legit. So we're, what, what was that, four teams we already so named? So you said Montana, Montana State, and then UC Davis, Weber State. That's four. And I would I, – I, I could sub in Idaho for that also. Anywhere. And then I would think in that two-and-two two mix, Northern Arizona, Portland State, Sacramento State, like I was getting at, I, I think that – one of them will end up coming out. Obviously, once you get into conference play, things are going to end up breaking up a little bit more. But I think one of those teams will end up coming out in that six and five, seven and five range, depending on how many games they play. They could end up sneaking their way in. Uh, yeah, I think that it's easy that they get four teams in the field this year, easily. It's a fair assumption. Thanks, Ryan T. All right, that's going to be it from us, <laughs> folks. Thank you for tuning in, as always, and listening to us talk FCS football. Like I said, follow us on social media, at Joe DeLeon and at Sean Anderson 65 Sean is spelled S-E-A-N, not S-H-A-W-N. If you, if, if you, if you know an S-H-A-W-N, let him know he's not as good as the S-E-A-Ns. <laughs> also, be sure to follow Believe Podcasts on social media, at Believe Podcasts. Also, wherever you're listening to us, please rate uh, and subscribe. Give us your input. Give us a review. We've actually been getting a slight bump in reviews as well, too, which we greatly appreciate. Currently still sitting at that five-star mark, so thank you to our listeners for that. I'll change that. You're going to change that? You're going to give us a one-star? <laughs> Sick of this Joe DeLeon guy I, talking I, all the time. I, I some, <laughs> <laughs> won't let me talk. <laughs> why, why, why is he stepping on uh, Why is he stepping on host number one's jokes? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the guy in the background? <laughs> um... Also, if you don't already subscribe to us and you stumbled upon the show on Twitter, you can find us and listen to us wherever you can find a podcast, that being Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, it's available there. Also on the Believe.com website, spelled B-L-E-A-V. Also check out their website because they got plenty of other great shows on their website as well. Um, And if you're interested in advertising, feel free to reach out to them too. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.